So we've been singing about walking and we're going to read about walking because tonight we're coming to the second person in the Westminster Abbey of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. And that man's name is Enoch. So let's read about this man. Scripture doesn't give us an awful lot of information about him, but there's three passages that do tell us about Enoch. So let's read about this man, a man who walked with God. First reading, Genesis chapter 5, verse 18. Genesis 5 and 18. And Jared lived an hundred sixty and two years, and, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch eight hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were nine hundred sixty and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived sixty and five years, and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. After he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now our next reading is Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Just one verse, actually, from this great hall of faith chapter. You hear talk about halls of fame. Well, this is not a hall of fame. This is something far better, a hall of faith. Hebrews 11, verse 5. Let's hear what it says about Enoch. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now he mightn't have pleased the government, nor he mightn't have pleased family members, But he pleased God. And that, folks, is all that ultimately matters. Doesn't matter if you please others. As long as you please God. And how do you know what pleases God? Well, just read the Bible. Just stick to his word. Always just keep that focus, tunnel vision. We have got to be like Enoch. Sometimes you can please God and please other people, but not all the time. So when push comes to shove, you just got to please God. As a congregation and as individual believers. Okay, I said there was three passages that talked about this man Enoch. So the last one is Jude. So uh, the little epistle 
of Jude with only one chapter. Good things come in small packages, isn't that what they say? And that's certainly true of Jude. So we'll read, please, from verse 14 of Jude. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. It's very interesting to notice the meaning of Enoch's name. His name means dedicated. Dedicated. It's good to be dedicated to the Lord in these days. Good to be dedicated to Christ. And I want to thank you, good folks, because the very fact that you're here tonight tells me that you're dedicated to the Lord. Enoch was definitely dedicated to the Lord. We're going to discover that tonight. Now, his life was marked by three things, surrounding gloom, saving grace, and sudden glory. Surrounding gloom, saving grace, and sudden glory. Let's think about the surrounding gloom first of all. Enoch lived in a very, very dark day. There was spiritual gloom all around. If you take your Bible there and go back to Genesis, and as we always try to do, we try to keep your head in the book. So we're going to do that again tonight. So Genesis chapter 4, let's read about the surrounding gloom. In Enoch's day when he walked with God. Genesis 4 verse 19. We read there of a man called Lamech. Now notice this. And Lamech took unto him two wives. There you have it. Polygamy. Polygamy was rampant. In Enoch's day. The surrounding gloom was there, but Enoch didn't throw the head up and throw the towel in and say, Lord, it's too hard. Nobody else is walking with you. I'm going to give up. No, instead, Enoch was more determined and dedicated than ever that he was going to walk with God. Come with me. My old companions, fare ye well. I will not go with ye to hell. And Enoch walked along the narrow way with his Lord and Savior. In spite of the surrounding gloom. In spite of the polygamy. But then something else about this man called Lamech. If you go down there to verse 23. And Lamech said unto his wives. Ada and Zillah. Hear my voice ye wives. Of Lamech, hearken unto my speech. For I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. So there you have it. He was not only a polygamist, but he was a murderer. I tell you, there was surrounding gloom in these days whenever Enoch lived. There was, we could say, moral disorder and militant defiance. Moral disorder 
As far as the moral situation went, it was down in the gutter, it was down in the sewer. Not like today, in fact, a whole lot like today. And the militant defiance, it was militant defiance of God, I mean. Man who had been created was shaking his fist in the face of his maker. And uh, when you do that, it doesn't end well. The surrounding gloom. I propose to you tonight, folks, that we are also in a world where there is surrounding gloom. We have got plenty of gloom that surrounds us today. Spiritual gloom. Moral gloom. We question for you tonight, what's the fastest growing religion in GB? Islam? Mormons? No, nothing like that. Wicca? Or if you want to put it into layman's terms, witchcraft. Fastest growing religion on the mainland, witchcraft. And it's growing fastest among young women, and they're spreading this religion on TikTok. Yeah, that's where it's all happening. That's where you'll find plenty of witchcraft on TikTok. So I suggest that if your child has the TikTok app, you would need to get rid of it as quickly as possible. Just reading the other day about a, a little town in County Wicklow. And parents have come together to ban smartphones altogether for children under the age of 13. Little town in, in the south of Ireland. The parents have said enough's enough. And the smartphones are banned. I reckon that's a good, day, a good idea. I hope it catches on. Transgenderism. Boy, we're going to come to a hot potato there. The Goliath of transgenderism is roaring across the valley at the church today. And most of the Christians are running away scared and hiding. Transgenderism. Do you know that there are surgeons today performing gender reassignment surgery? On young women and young men. Mutilating their young bodies. Because, they, because the young people are saying. Oh I'm living in the wrong body. And you have these surgeons. Who are making a lot of money out of, uh, making a lot of, money out of it by the way. Gender reassignment surgery. Boy, you wonder how these butchers sleep in their beds at night after what they do. I've seen photographs of it. And I wouldn't like to share them. You wouldn't like to see them, folks. We're living in days just like Enoch when there's surrounding Loom. You do know that gender reassignment surgery is now available on the NHS. 
Hello? You really wonder whatever happened to the Hippocratic Oath? First, do no harm. Surrounding gloom. Of course, Sinn Féin have got in and have joined the bandwagon because they're now pushing for puberty blockers to be freely available to young people in the north of Ireland. The surrounding gloom. We're in a battle and we need to pray harder and more than ever we have done before. And we need to pray against this surrounding gloom. But thank God we need not dwell on the surrounding gloom tonight. But we can move on to the saving grace. You see, Enoch was a sinner like everyone else. Please don't fall into the trap tonight of thinking, Oh, Enoch, he was so holy from birth. He never needed to be saved and washed in the blood like everybody else. That's the sort of thing the devil would tell you. But no, Enoch, he needed uh, saving grace like everyone else, just like you need it tonight, just like I need it tonight. And thank God Enoch experienced this saving grace. You see, according to Ephesians chapter 2, we're all walking the wrong way by nature. And before we can walk with God like Enoch, we've got to leave the broad road with all the people who are walking to hell. Ephesians chapter 2. And look now at verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now here it is. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. According to the, to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Did you notice it there? How the Holy Spirit describes Enoch in his unconverted days. Look, wherein, you, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Before Enoch walked with God, he walked according to the course of this world. But then the day came whenever the Lord met Enoch. And changed his direction. And the Lord said to Enoch, come walk with me, even as the hymn writer put it. I wonder is the Lord saying that to somebody here tonight? Come walk with me. Come to me and be saved. Come and start walking with me to heaven. I hope he is. And I hope you're listening. Backslider. Maybe the Lord's saying to you tonight, come and walk with me again. I want your company again. Don't worry about the work colleagues. Don't worry about the family or the neighbors or whoever. Your social media friends. Forget about them. Just come again and walk with me. I want to tell you folks, if you start to walk with the Lord tonight, you will never regret it. 
You'll never regret it. I can guarantee it. And I know that if we could bring Enoch down from heaven tonight, Enoch would stand here and he would say, See, the day that I started to walk with God, boy, that was the best day of my life. I have absolutely no regrets. A lot of things in life we do regret. But sure, you can't live your life looking in the rear view mirror all the time or else you would go nowhere. But one thing that we as believers never regret is beginning to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So the day came whenever Enoch met with the Lord. And that's the way it is, folks, whenever you walk with somebody. Maybe you you arrange with somebody. I'll meet you at such and such a place and we'll go for a good long walk. And we'll clear our heads. And you, you meet with the person that they... The set, on the set day and the set time. Have you met with the Lord to begin walking with Him? It's wonderful to meet Him, you know. He's, he's so merciful, so gracious, so tender. Oh, but Lord, you don't know my past and all the filth and all the perversion of my past Lord do you know what I've been involved in Lord Shh, just be quiet I'm here to save you I'm here to forgive you I'm here to wrap you in my righteousness just you forget about the past for I'm forgetting about it and I, all I'm here now is to meet with you and to Throw your sins into the depths of the sea. Come on and walk with me. So whenever you you go for a walk with somebody, obviously there has to be a starting point. And there has to be a place that we agree to meet the person. But then I reckon when you go for a walk with somebody, I reckon that as you walk, you talk. You will talk to the other person, and the other person will talk to you. And maybe, folks, you're wondering tonight, what does it really mean to walk with God? What did it really mean for Enoch to walk with God? Well, I believe it, it meant that he, he talked with him, and God talked with Enoch. God is talking to you right now, child of his. I know you're sitting in the pew, but you're actually walking with God because you're listening to him. He's talking to you through his word. And it's wonderful whenever he talks to us. And it's wonderful whenever we talk to him as we walk with him. And there were some of you faithful folk were talking to him before the meeting tonight. And there's others, you're here tonight, and boy, you wish you, were, you had been able to get to the prayer meeting and talk with him. And you're looking forward to Thursday night, and boy, if you could have another day of prayer, you'd have it, and you'd be there. Because it's good to talk with the Lord. You don't have to blab out a whole lot. Big long prayer, big sentences? No. Those kinds of prayers kill prayer meetings. 
short and brief is the order of the day. We're not going to be heard for our much speaking. And Moody said that we need to chop both ends of our prayers and set the middle on fire. So I can just imagine Enoch talking with the Lord, praying to the Lord as he journeys along life's pathway. But it was all because he had experienced his saving grace. That is where it all starts. Tell me this, has it started for you? So, uh, there was surrounding gloom, but thank God for saving grace. And then we finish tonight with sudden glory. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5. Hebrews 11 verse 5. I know we read it earlier, but let's just recap on it and read it again. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. It's very interesting there that it says that he should not see death. The Lord had it ordained that Enoch was not going to die. And I tell you, folks, when the Lord ordains you're not going to die, it doesn't matter how many enemies you have. It doesn't matter how many death threats are hanging over you. You're not, you, you're, you're not going to die because the Lord has planned it that you should not see death until your work is done. So, child of God, you can sleep in peace tonight. You can put your head in the pillow and not worry tonight about whatever storm is in your life. But Enoch was translated. The word just means to cross over. Enoch crossed over from earth to heaven without dying. He was translated. He was raptured. Enoch is a wonderful picture of the rapture of the church. You see, maybe some of us are thinking tonight, boy, wasn't Enoch so blessed he didn't have to die. And Enoch experienced the rapture. He was caught up to be with the Lord. Oh, I wish I was in Enoch's shoes. Well, you don't have to wish you were in Enoch's shoes because you're going to be raptured too someday. Every one of us. No exceptions. Some of us may be alive when the Lord returns. Some of us may have passed through the valley of the shadow when he returns. But we're all going to be caught up, raptured, translated. Either we're going to be brought out of the graves or we're going to be caught up alive to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to be just like Enoch. Hallelujah. There's going to be sudden glory for every Christian in this meeting tonight. Could happen even before the end of the meeting. And of course, we, we have here, of course, this wonderful uh, connection with First Thessalonians chapter 4, where it tells us there to comfort ourselves with these words, how that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel with the trump of God. And we're going to be caught up and we'll be forever with the Lord.
But what do we do until that day? We don't know when that day is going to happen. When the great return of Christ is going to take place. It's an awesome event, but we, 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 we can't put a date. We dare not put a date. I hear people today, you get them all the time on YouTube, and they're putting dates on the second coming of Christ, and they're saying, oh, the tribulation started. Oh, the countdown's on. There's people talking about the Lord. He's going to return in 2024, 2025. Oh, he's going to come for the Feast of Trumpets, or this feast or the other feast. A load of baloney, the whole lot of it. We don't know when he's coming, but we know he is coming. But all that matters is what we do in between times. And I want to tell you folks that the Lord has a lot for us to do in the meantime. You remember the disciples in Acts chapter 1. And with this I finish. You remember when the Lord Jesus went back to heaven, there were two men who appeared. We'll not take the time to look it up tonight. You can read it when you go home. Acts chapter 1 verse 11, two men appeared. Sometimes we think they were angels. I don't know. It might have been just two men, Moses and Elijah possibly. But whoever they were, they looked down at the disciples and they said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? And if I can paraphrase it tonight... Those two men were saying, why are you standing here doing nothing? There's work to do. Now get yourselves off to the upper room and pray for the Spirit to be outpoured. And get yourselves out and evangelize the world and tell the lost of Christ and throw out the lifeline. No point standing gawking up into the sky. And we dare not make the same mistake as the disciples a whole lot of Christians are making that mistake. They're, they're sitting about and they're hiding in their church buildings and just sort of getting into the bunker and, you know, sort of waiting until the Lord comes back. We just have to hunker down until the trumpet sounds. And it's sad when the church is asleep, when there's work to be done. I want to tell you, folks, there's a battle for the Bible today, there's a fight for the faith. There's a cause for which to contend. And there's a gospel to guard. There's lots to do. And at the present time, it's only a small minority who are doing it. Oh, as, as a church, as believers, we need to get into the thick of it. And to fight the devil tooth and nail. And we need to be like Enoch and walk with God until sudden glory comes. But Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul.